Welcome to another exciting episode, uh, we'll use that term loosely, of The Voluntary Tackle, uh, the only NRL podcast prepared to release an episode uh, without any footy agenda whatsoever. I'm your host, Eamon Brown. I'm going to call this a freestyle episode. This is just, I mean, if I had a Patreon, I'd just release this on Patreon, but I don't. I mean, I'm, there's no premium stream of The Voluntary Tackle, but there's no such thing as premium content with our show. It's hard to justify the Patreon, um, when you know your content's that bad. There are some shows out there that do Patreon and you just think, well, why? I mean, I wouldn't... I mean, you're overcharging it when it's free. Uh, look, there's no agenda for this episode. I'm, I'm just uh, here to wax lyrical with you. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well. I hope the, the regular listeners of the show and the, the seldom regular listeners. In fact, I don't wish anyone harm. That'd be weird if I just wished the regular listeners of The Voluntary Tackle well. And everyone else, I hope you caught the virus. I mean, I'm not that big a cunt. That's not what I'm asking for. Um, but no, I just hope everyone who happens to stumble upon this episode, uh, I wish them well. I hope they're safe. I hope you don't have any family members who are affected by this awful piece of shit. Which goes about, I mean, that should go without saying. I shouldn't have even needed to open with that. It, it suggests that there are listeners out there that thinks I would wish you harm. You know, that's like, it's a stupid disclaimer. Like, it doesn't need to be, if I was here and you thought, oh, I don't know if Eamon Brown really wants my grandma to die of COVID-19. I don't. I don't want anyone to die of it. You know, there's really no maliciousness in me, despite a lot of my, my podcast content. Uh, no, I do hope everyone's doing well. If you're listening to this podcast, and there are nine of you, I know who you are. By the way, mum, I'll be over on Thursday uh, to drop off my laundry. You love sport. If you listen to this show, you must love sport. So obviously there's not a lot of it around. I'm just sort of wondering, you know, how you're all doing. This is a one-way medium. bit pointless me asking that. But uh, look, just think it in your head and answer, answer to yourself. I mean, I'm never going to hear it. I am on Twitter, at Voluntary Tackle, if you feel like getting in touch with the show. This isn't live. I made that sound like it's, you know, sort of midnight to dawn AM radio. Don't call in. There is no number. Um, but, you know, tweet in if you like and let me know how you're doing. Um, but I can tell you how I'm doing. I mean, I, I'm doing relatively well, all things considered. Uh, I worry a bit more for my wife who's, you know, now had to put up with me uh, sort of nonstop for six to seven weeks now, um, you know, working from home and now I'm on some forced leave. That's an unusual term, isn't it, forced leave? But um, so, yeah, she sort of had to put up with my ugly mug around the house. And I feel worse for her, if I'm going to be honest. I mean, I, I think that I am, I think in small doses, and I'm pretty sure this is why she married me. I think in small doses, I'm bearable. But I think once it goes over the sort of 60 to 90 minute mark, um, I mean, I do the same thing at parties. I'll leave after sort of an hour to two hours because I think at that stage, people go, this guy's a bit fucking weird. 
um, and they want out. And I th- and I don't want my wife to get to that. I mean, I think she can take me in small doses insofar as, you know, we're at work and, you know, she sees me at night and on the weekends, a bit like kids during an acrimonious marriage dispute. Um, but, you know, with no work on and she's uh, at the moment in holidays as well, um, she's seeing an awful lot of me. So I think if there's any victim in my my own sort of orbit, it's my wife because she has to put up with me. So she's actually um, out of the house at the moment. So I've got the I've got the house to myself. This is why I thought, what the hell? I'm a couple of wines in. Why not fire up the microphones and talk about absolute shit as a bit of a special treat for you, loyal listeners? Um, look, and I don't have a lot to say. I think a lot of it's been said on previous episodes. Sorry if the the quality of recording, like technically, isn't as good as normal. Obviously, I'm. We're all like everyone else. Uh, we're trying to distance, trying to do our part and uh, have everyone come through on Skype or Hangouts or Zoom or whatever it is. Um, that makes me sound like I'm some kind of wartime hero. I'm not. When I say do my part, I mean not infect people in my immediate vicinity. That's all I'm doing. Um, I'm, not, I'm not heroic. I'm not on the front line. I'm not a nurse or a person at fucking Woolworths. I, I, I've said this on Twitter actually this week. I think the forgotten heroes are the people on a checkout at Coles and Woolworths and Audi because they're all remaining open. Everyone talks about nurses and doctors and teachers and all the rest of it and of course they deserve to be commended as well because they're putting themselves in harm's way but people don't go, fuck, I'm really good on your checkout chick. I mean, but no one seems to give it, just like normal life, no one seems to give a shit about someone stacking shelves at Coles which I've done a couple of times in my my life. It's not the best job, I've got to be honest. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thankless job. Normally you get harassed by some octogenarian who demands to know where the cheap version of the Whiskers cat food is, and then when you can't tell her the exact shelf and aisle, they just lay a fucking eight lines of expletives on you. You know, elderly abuse, it can go the other way too. This is what people don't understand. Uh, but no, they are. They're fucking heroes. You know, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the supermarket like everyone else, trying to lower the frequency of time going down there. It's part of my civic duty because I'm a hero. And, uh, you know, in those moments, you see these people who they're, they're all wearing masks and they're trying to keep their distance from you. And you can tell they're not that fucking pumped about being there. Because unlike a, a doctor uh, who's doing fucking life-saving surgery, you know, the, the, the doctor's not earning $14.90 an hour. You know, the person down at the fucking Coles is. So they're on the front line. If anything, they should be on the front of the trophy, the medal of bravery, when this thing's finished, because they've been on the front line for fuck all. Not much of a remuneration and certainly no credit in the media. So if anything, a big shout out to you people listening uh, who work at Coles and Woolworths. I don't know how many of you are out there, but uh, from a very obscure rugby league podcast, I thank you. Okay, you know it's not completely thankless. Here at the Voluntary Tackle, we fucking thank you. Um, and I, you know, the other weird thing is I'm not a, uh, I've never been a germaphobe, because germs are around everywhere, right? So I exercise good hygiene. There's never been a time where I've gone to the bathroom and not washed my hands, and you know I try to shower daily. Uh, although in lockdown, that's tougher, because you know you're demotivated and uh, you're depressed. You don't feel like being clean. You feel like being mangy. Uh, what was I saying? I've completely lost my train of thought. But uh, oh yeah, no, I was saying yeah, I'm not a germaphobe. But when 
I go to the supermarket, this is the closest that I've had, that, that in fact the closest my generation has had to wartime. Because you're in there and people are all, they're masked up and they've got fucking gloves on and everyone's fucking serious. You know, normally you go into a supermarket, it used to be kind of a, a sort of a leisurely thing. You know, you'd go in there and go, ooh, what the, I might eat some tacos tonight. That sounds good. And you'd go in there, it's sort of part of a social experience. It wasn't so bad, you didn't love it, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, but it is at the moment, it's, it's not fun at all. In fact, my wife and I, we sort of break up, we have a shopping list and we break it up in two based on where the items are in the supermarket. And it is like a military operation. Again, comparing myself to national heroes, um, I shouldn't do that. But, you know, it's all about getting in and out as soon as we can. And uh, I suck at it. Like, she's exceptionally good because she's far more intelligent than I am uh, in every way, unfortunately. I'd like to have a column where I'm better. Um, I can lift heavier things. That's about (laughs) the extent of my superiority over my wife. So she's finished way before I am, and now I'm here going, fucking tin of tomatoes, tin of tomatoes, tin of tomatoes. Where the fuck? Why aren't they with the rest of the tin fruit? Because tomatoes are fucking fruit. And I'm there going, I can't see it, there's a pineapple. Anyway, by the time I get one fucking can of tomatoes, she's done her half, and uh, I feel like I've let the team down because we're trying to you know, limit our exposure. By the way, I know this has nothing to do with rugby league yet. I, I do plan on... Talking about rugby league, um, there's not a lot of it on. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. If you're true fans, and I'm sure you are, if you're putting yourself through the punishment of listening to the voluntary tackle, you must be. Yeah, in fact, you must have a problem. You must have an addiction. You must be one of these rugby league hardheads who love it so much, you need to, like a sponge, you need to soap up every bit of rugby league content there is, even the shit bits. Uh, and for that, we thank you here at The Voluntary Tackle, because it wasn't for that kind of fanaticism. We would have zero listeners. Um, so again, the nine of you, uh, I doff my cap, uh, my very pristine uh, washed regularly cap that I wear around the house just on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, but no, there's not a lot of sport on, as you would have imagined. So a lot of what we're doing at the moment is watching old reruns. Of sport, I've watched a lot of old grand finals. That's actually been quite a joy, uh, and I don't even say that ironically. It really has. I've I realise there's a few grand finals I've watched in the last ten years that I was just really smashed when I watched them live. And in my head, I thought I'd remember everything. And as I watched them on replay, I realised I remembered about three bits, and uh, that could be something to do with my just general feeble memory. Um, but I also, the only thing I do remember about those nights is being smashed. So there is a connection between alcohol and not remembering the game very much. I watched the 06 grand final um, not long ago. It's a bloody good game of footy, actually. I didn't realise the Storm should have won that. In a few key moments, they really got their ass raped by the referee badly in that second half. There's two or three really key decisions and... Brisbane being Brisbane, they up until that point they had not lost a grand final, so they just they go into grand finals. If you're a Brisbane Broncos player, you just go into grand finals going, well, we should win this. You know, if history's any guide, we win this. Whereas most teams go, they're shitting it. They're like, fuck, I don't want to lose. This is massive. This is huge. And on the other team, you've got like Darren Lockyer who goes, no, I got this. And Webke goes, no, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to make 48 hit-ups, and uh, we should win. Petro Sivanasiva, did he look stressed? Nope. But did Scott Hill look stressed? A little bit. He looked a bit vexed, because I think he went, Ooh, this is this is it, because I'm off to Super League next year, and if I don't win this, I'm, I will never... I'll never win one because he wasn't involved in 99. So that's the difference, isn't it, between the successful sides and the, and the sides that get in there for that one occasion. It's Unless you're the Tigers in 05, um, where they just seem to fearless. Most teams go in a bit nervous if they've never been in one before. Uh, and that was Melbourne's turn. You know, that crop of players ended up winning a bunch of them, some of them illegally, let's be honest. But I had no idea. It was a very entertaining match. Do you know who played really well in that game? And it's one of these guys you never think about. Or at least me. I shouldn't speak for everyone listening. You're probably like, no. I think about Sean Berrigan all the time. It is Sean Berrigan. Sean Berrigan, he was a bloody good player. He really was. And uh, I'm not sure what it is about him, why he doesn't hold the test of time. That is something, that, as a rugby league fan, that is something fascinating to me that there are some players out there that for whatever reason, just, their legacy fades like a, like a shit Polaroid picture or something. It's, and they were really good. And for some reason, rugby league history doesn't remember them. Now, I don't know if that's because they just had like a really bad moment in a high-profile game. Another example, Brett Hodgson. He was a wonderful fucking player. But if people go, oh, name your 10 best fullbacks... I'm going to wager most people don't put him in there because unfortunately for him, and it's probably just coincidence, I don't think necessarily there's anything to this, but on the big stage, the people remember him for really bad moments, not good ones. Obviously that origin that sent um, Lockyer on his way in the intercept from dummy half and that started their big run of eight eight in a row. But even in the uh, 2005 grand final, he had a bumper year and a shocker of a grand final. Um, so maybe, and, and, and you know, the other thing, people remember him at Origin. They also remember him as being the person who was lassoed by Gordon Tallis. So your highlights reel in the collective consciousness of rugby league fans, you're remembered as that guy who got basically sexually assaulted by Gordon Tallis. You're a victim. In the rugby league zeitgeist, Brett Hodgson is a victim. And that's why they won't put him in the top 10. That's my theory. That's what I'm sticking to. Why is Sean Berrigan not remembered? I don't know. I think it could be something to do with his rat face. He had, he, he had a face that looked a bit like a ferret. And I think that uh, for people like that, history never looks upon you very kindly. And that's and the inverse of that is Mark Gaznia, who I think is a little bit overrated. He, wasn't a, he was a very good player, but he wasn't a great player in my view. But because he has this amazing jawline and kind of like he looks a bit like he's on one of those Mr. Bonds ads, people remember him and they go, oh, I think that guy must have been a great centre. In fact, he might have been an immortal based on his fucking jaw. So life's not fair is what I'm saying. I wish I had a more prominent jaw when I was about 12 or 13 and they said, your jaw's a bit too far back. They actually said to me, it looks a bit too much like Michael Hagen. Uh, which was terrifying for a young teen because I didn't know who he was at the time. And uh, they said we need to do some orthodontics and unfortunately we couldn't afford it. And uh, my mum, I remember my mum distinctly uh, saying, no, we're not going to do the surgery because they wanted to do surgery. That's how fucked my face is. They wanted surgery on it. They went, it's not right. We need to fix it with surgery. 
uh, get the mandibles going in the right direction for a change. And uh, my mum said to me, don't worry about it, Eamon. Um, you're beautiful on the inside. <laughs> Which is what you want to hear when you're 13 and 14. Um, I said, thank you, mum. Appreciate that. Big shout out to my mum, one of the core listeners. That's not true. She has no idea this show exists. Uh, what else can we talk about today? Yeah, what we're doing in that sport. Yeah, not much. Weird news story today. Again, not sport related, so apologies. But um, Barbara Streisand has released an anti-Trump song. Like she went to the trouble. I think she's retired. I hope so. I don't remember her cutting new albums. Even that phrase, cutting a new album, sounds like I'm fucking 68. You don't, Do you even cut new albums? Like they're all online. They're streamed. You should be dropping them, if anything. But apparently she has, and it's, uh, well, I shouldn't say apparently, right before I hit the record button, I had to listen. It's so strange hearing a Barbara Streisand song attempt to be political. And if there's anything bad that Trump has brought into the world, and there have been lots of things that we're not going to go into here, if it's making Barbara Streisand come out of retirement, that could be his biggest fucking war crime, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, In fact, have a listen here. How do you win if we all lose? You change the facts to justify Your lips move but your words get in the way In the way, in the way Kings and queens, crooks and thieves You don't see the forest for the trees Head and heart I tried to warn you, it wasn't good. Phil Gould has been in the news, hasn't he? He's been at a lot of people hating on him on Twitter because obviously he's going into bat for Channel 9. Channel 9, not very popular at the moment, I've noticed. (coughs) I won't even edit that cough out because this is one of these sessions where I don't care. Normally all kind of bodily noises are coming out of me. I save you from so much every episode. Weird throat grumbles um, that don't need to be in there. But uh, I don't even know what that is. Every now and then my, my throat makes a gurgle. I don't, I don't know if that's throat cancer. I don't know if that's some kind of mucus issue. Uh, or if everyone does it, but it's only audible to me. I'll never know because obviously I'll never ask someone in person. Because that would be the fucking weirdest question you could ever ask someone. And you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll ask that question not to someone I know but maybe do a complete stranger in a supermarket because that'll be... At least I'll know I'll never see that person again. Because you can't ask a question like that and then continue to see that person and have a a viable relationship with them. Because they'll always be thinking, oh, that guy has a weird throat gurgle. It's a weird one to see Phil Gould uh, get so bashed online, but he, he has sort of gone off his melon lately. Um, he was on the Six Tackles of Gus podcast today defending his position. And uh, it's a tough one to defend because Channel 9 have really tried to bend the NRL over and forcibly put a cucumber up there. Because, I mean, they call themselves the home of rugby league, but they really uh, they are trying to stiff it over at the moment, aren't they? Trying to walk away for a 2020. I don't think that's what all the fans want. Uh, but I think May 28, I just saw only about an hour ago that uh, May 28, Wayne Pierce again 
has confirmed May 28 is definitely going ahead. The word was definitely. Uh, my only concern when I scrolled on in the story, it said more details to come. So the whole news story was the fact that Wayne Pierce said it's definitely happening, which makes me automatically suspicious. I'm a bit of a, um, I'm a bit of a sort of a pessimistic person. I think by nature, if I'm a sceptical, I'll put it that way. I'm, I'm a sort of perennially sceptical person, and uh, when someone says, "Oh, it's definitely happening," catch you later. Um, I think, hmm, why, why did he, why do you feel the need to say that unless there was an issue? You can have a wine. Give me a sec. Now I'm, um, I'm, I'll let everyone know what I'm drinking. Normally I'm drinking VBs for the record. These are the kind of insider tips you wouldn't normally get during a standard episode. Um, you would have probably guessed that from my, my sort of classless tact on most topics. But yes, VB is what I'm drinking at the moment in lockdown. If I'm out, I might have a uh, a Cooper's Pale or a Kosciuszko Pale. Um, I don't mind a James Bogues. Um, but at the moment in lockdown, the big the big cases of the cans are going cheap. So that's what I've been drinking. But tonight, things are getting a little bit classy, ladies and gentlemen. I'm drinking the Watermark Shiraz 2019. Great year, 2019, for wine. <laughs> Great crop. Great crop of grapes. I don't drink I don't drink 2019 wine because I'm cheap and can't afford anything else. Uh, I drink 2019 Watermark Shiraz because it was an excellent year. So I can even though this is a one-way medium, I know I could hear you judging me. Anyway, put that away. So yeah, Phil Gould, I don't know. I think maybe this is the year, and I hate to I'm not an ageist person. But I wonder if this is the year where it's the tipping point for Phil Gould into senility. And there is a tipping point for everybody, you know, where things get a little bit more lethargic upstairs. Uh, for me, it's come in, unfortunately for me, it's hit me in my 30s. And uh, so the slide into senility is going to be seamless for me. I won't make it to 50 anyway. But physically, and I'm not, again... I'm not trying to cast aspersions on his on his mental state, but I just feel this is the first time. The first, I think, the last twelve months, I've noticed some kind of decline, not major, like he's not going to get Alzheimer's in the next couple of years. Um, but he just seems there's a lot more repetition to him than there used to be, and um, he's sort of at a Joe Biden level. You know, you can hold a conversation, um, but every now and then he will sort of just move into an anecdote that doesn't go anywhere, which, as we know, is the first sign of becoming a really old person. That and he, I've got to say, he just looks old too, doesn't he? I mean, I was actually having a look the other day. He was on one of these Channel 9 shows, as he is, and he does look like the human equivalent of a melted candle. He just looks like he's melted. Like he, okay, that's Phil Gould if he was a watercolour painting and someone's just thrown a bucket of water on it, and all the colours are seeped everywhere. That's, probably, that's really mean. There's no need to say that. But I, but I guess at the bottom line is, he's wrong, and he's getting older, and uh, let him have his senior moment. Don't jump on him too hard on Twitter. Because I think deep down he's a good person, and, he, and he's a, an interesting rugby league identity. So just, you know, back off, is what I would say. Um, 
Todd Greenberg, I guess the, the big issue, the big news story for the day, Todd Greenberg, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this on the next Genuine Ep, um, which is filled with absolute shit like this thing. Um, but it is it is the big news of the day. He's, he's fi- I mean, it's not a surprise to anyone that's following along here. He was, he was almost like the chunk of meat. He was a bit of chum sort of thrown into the great white sharks, wasn't he? Todd Greenberg, I mean, he was a marked man from the beginning. As soon as... Peter Volandis got there. Uh, all the murmurs started to come out that Todd Greenberg's job was under pressure. Um, you know, I don't think he's the worst CEO we've ever had. I don't, not anti Todd Greenberg. I'm not really for him either. He was sort of a middling type of CEO, but it, it is interesting to know who will be the new CEO once he leaves. Um, they're talking about basically Peter Volandis having sort of a puppet in there I can see that to be honest I think that from what I understand Volandi's full-time role is still in racing so his part-time gig is the NRL Um, so and he's a very shrewd businessman there's a lot not to like about him he seems dodgy I'm sure he's taken bribes allegedly I'm not sure at all I would never say that publicly unless I qualified it by saying allegedly which I just did but he does just seem like that guy who would be He'd know how to get the deals done in a back room somewhere and say something completely different publicly. And to be honest, to have a guy like that at the top of the tree in the sport that I love, maybe that's not such a bad thing. You know, maybe he's just a shrewd businessman who knows how to get what he wants by hook or by crook. And, you know, maybe if he needs to do the backroom deal, I just need to push my morals to one side for a second. And say, you, you do what you need to do, Peter. And if it means kneecapping someone with a mallet uh, who disagrees with you over broadcast rights, then do it. You, you just be Robert De Niro in Casino and keep the greatest game of all in the best shape possible. And I'll ask you no questions and you'll tell me no lies. I think that's where my head's at. Uh, but, you know, I, I did put out, this is the only Twitter poll I put out today and I just had thought about it now. So bear with me. I'll bring it up um, because I did ask everyone who they think the new CEO should be. Uh, now, I didn't have any very legitimate suggestions, I have to admit. Um, and what's the latest results of this thing? All right, so the latest results. Should it be Fatty Vorton, Phil Gould, John Hopawade and Craig Gower? So they're the four options of who should be the next CEO. Now, I'm going to give you a few seconds thinking time. of who you think the next CEO would be. Now, we'll see if you're right. I think most of you got the right answer. I'm sensing that. Of course, it was John Hopawate. <laughs> because it's a voluntary tackle poll. It's not a regular poll. We're not Gallup or fucking Nielsen. Uh, we get a very skewed niche perspective on everything. And of course, in a voluntary tackle poll, the answer is going to be John Hopawate, who got half the votes. Half of the 150 people who have voted so far, 75 people, that's right, it's brilliant arithmetic, can actually think that John Hopawade should steer the ship of the NRL for the next couple of years. Let's, let's indulge that idea, this weird dystopian future for a second. John Hopawate, that's right, of the 
thumb up the anus fame and uh, multiple court appearances where he seems to be pushing a journalist down a flight of steps super regularly. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, he's running the ship. What does John Hopawate do when he's the CEO of the NRL? What's his first move? I think it would be putting himself in the Hall of Fame. I think he'd make himself an immortal, probably first. Uh, I think he would hand out uh, John Hopawate statues at the Daly M's. Obviously, it would be just Wendell's ass and his thumb, I'm imagining, in bronze. Uh, so those are the first couple of moves he'd make. I think he would, even though it doesn't affect him anymore, and obviously he's well beyond playing age, I think he would annul all of the suspensions over the years that he'd cop through the judiciary. I, I don't know this for sure, but I suspect he may be the most suspended player in NRL history or in rugby league history. Let's go back to 1908. Why not? Let's face it, Dally Messenger wasn't raping anyone with a digit. So I'd say it would only be John Hopawati in all of time who would have gone that far. Um, and you know what's weird? If you go back and look at a lot of the offences that John Hopawati has committed over the years, and I'm talking about on the field, let's not go into any nightclub scenarios, um, they're weirdly funny. They're, he's almost They're almost funny because they're so illegal. Um, like they're not just, you know, like a Cameron Smith trying to get away with stuff, you know, doing stuff on the sly. John Hopawade was very much on the surface. Like that Galloway hit, which he still argues he, he shouldn't have been sent off the field for. I think he got 18 weeks or something for it. But he almost did a cartwheel in trying to put as much force as he could into Galloway's head. And there is something like the Roadrunner Coyote about it. Like, it doesn't seem real. Like, no fucking person on the face of the earth would think, I'm going to try to hit that guy so hard that by the time I finish, I've done a handstand. Um, and, you know, and in a weird way, I miss it. I miss that kind of behaviour. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me as an NRL fan, but I miss the fact that there are people on the field prepared to commit felonies. Um, because everything's so sanitised now, isn't it? I, mean, I tell you, the, one of the worst indictments on modern-day rugby league is the modern-day fight, where no one can throw a punch. They can't even slap. They can't, they can't even push each other sort of vigorously. So they all rush in. They rush in like they used to, fucking fast, and their face looks like, I'm going to fucking smash you. And then they stop and just sort of gently nudge each other over and over and over again. It's it's almost like a gentle hand job. Um, it's it's strange to look at. You've got like 26 players all rushing in to very gently push each other and then have a bit of a committee meeting about what went wrong. And then, of course, they debrief with how do we feel about all that, which goes for much longer than everything else because obviously then they need to go to their safe space uh, for a few hours. <laughs> have some deep counselling uh, about being pushed in the back. It's a different game. And I'm not pro-violence. I'm an anti-violence man in most walks of life, um, except on the train. I think anything should go on the train because it's, uh, it's anarchy. If you're on, especially at peak hour, if you've got someone putting a forearm or an armpit into your face, I say you're allowed to sort of have a good straight jab to the abdomen. Uh, don't go for a headshot, unless, of course, it's they've got really bad BO, then go for the headshot. But 
For the most part, violence is bad, but I just want rugby league to be one of those rare exceptions. And I realise that's a pipe dream, even though I did interview Brett Kenny on the show. I don't know if anyone remembers listening to that one. Please go back, it's a good yarn. But of course, he was very much for the fact that he wanted to see the punch brought back into the game. And uh, we all know it's never going to happen. Um, but there's, he talked about Origin in particular. He said he wouldn't mind not seeing the punch not brought back regularly into regular games, but he really wanted it brought back into Origin. He said Origin wasn't Origin without like a, like an absolute bust-up at the first scrum. It's a weird tradition, isn't it? It almost is a cultural tradition, Origin. It's not rugby league anymore. It's It's its own standalone thing. It's got its own mythology. It was invented way after... Rugby league. I mean, it was played way after rugby league was around in Australia. Um, there's so much hatred and animosity that is at the root of these two states that hate each other. So, of course, argy bargy is part of that that mythology, part of that ethos. And it is almost culturally disrespectful not to have it anymore, not to have a punch in origin. Maybe that should be it. Maybe that should be the exception. No more punch unless it's origin. Go fucking nuts. Um, and a Paul Gallon on Nate Miles, that really ruined it for everyone. That was like the Bondi Beach moment during this social distancing chapter. Like, we're all like, oh, we don't mind a little bit of a jab and a little bit of a punch. And all of a sudden, you know, Paul Gallon lays three on the melon of Nate Miles. It wasn't even shaping with his fists. And it's all over. So we can all blame Paul Gallon. Um, unfortunately, he can throw him too. So I think if it was anyone else but Nate Miles, they might have been dead. <laughs> Nate Miles, he could... I mean, that never even... He's got so many layers to his skull that it wouldn't have got near his brain. Like, his brain's almost in quarantine. It's got three or four bases around it. Um, You know, he could be hit by a cement truck. And yeah, he's going to look bad on the surface, but the brain will be completely unharmed. And uh, I've heard Nate speak a few times. I think the brain has a lot of room in there as well. So, I don't know if that's an idea. Let us know. Put an hashtag, AskTVT. Um, let us know what you think. Should I sound like a fucking AM seven hundred two ABC radio? Tell us what you think on the open line. Uh, should should punching be brought back into state of origin? And specifically, does Nate Miles have an unusual skull formation which allows his brain extra protection? Feel free to answer any of those on the open line. That's one three hundred six hundred two origin. <laughs> Don't ring that. That's probably someone else's personal line, and you're going to annoy them. <coughs> well, I feel like I've probably talked long enough. Um, I just thought I'd do this as a bit of an experiment. I have no idea what I've said. I don't know if this is... I was going to say it's really for the rugby league purists, but it's not. It's just me talking. Uh, but look, I, I hope you are enjoying the Voluntary Tackle episodes during lockdown. We promise things will get much more interesting as things pipe up, hopefully on May 28. I hope everyone keeps safe and well. I genuinely mean that. And definitely reach out to us. We've got that hashtag AskTVT and we're at the handle at Voluntary Tackle. I think it's on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. I'm really active on Twitter. Um, not so much the other ones. Still trying to work out how they work. Anyway, that's it from me for now. Uh, talk to you all soon. <laughs>